This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's now time for Activate, a show brought to you by Amnesty International. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening for our Activate show for November. Um, it's starting to get warm. I hope you're all enjoying a sort of warmer, spring-like, almost summer-like feeling. And um, we have a great show for you, I think, this evening. First off, we've got... Um, we're going to have Frankie Vaughan from our Wellington office, who's going to... She's our media and comms advisor, and she's going to be talking to us about the Alps to Ocean bike ride that she's doing as a fundraising exercise um, with a, a few teammates for Amnesty International. And we'll also get some good news and some human rights in the news from Greg and Catherine. And I'll also give you a quick update on the Right for Rights campaign that's coming up in December. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Human Rights in the News for the month of November. Geez, the year is almost at a close. Now, this article is from The Guardian, the UK edition, and it caught my eye because the headline includes two things that I'm always very interested in, tennis and Amnesty International. The headline reads, Leading Men's Tennis Players Urged to Speak Out at Saudi Event by Amnesty. And this is the Amnesty International UK branch. Cameron Norrie and other top men's players appearing at the Diriyah Tennis Cup in Saudi Arabia have been urged by Amnesty International to use their platforms to speak out against the country's human rights abuses. Everyone playing in Diriyah will surely realise that this tennis tournament is yet another example of Saudi Arabia trying to sports wash its bloody human rights record, said Amnesty International in a statement. With Saudi Arabia currently throwing sizeable bundles of money at everything from golf and Grand Prix to boxing and football, it's really important that top sporting figures use their high profiles to speak out about Saudi human rights abuses. Following the Live Golf Tour and the growing presence of Saudi Arabia-backed promoters in other major sports, the exhibition tournament Deria Tennis Cup represents Saudi Arabia's latest attempt to enter the world of professional tennis. There has been interest from the country in hosting an officially sanctioned Women's Tennis Association event, which the WTA has not yet pursued. A slew of current and former top players have already committed to the lucrative exhibition in December during the short off-season, including Norrie, who is the British number one, Daniel Medvedev and Andrei Rublev of Russia, Alexander Zerov of Germany, Stan Wawrinka of Switzerland and Austria's Dominic Thiem. The inaugural edition was held in December 2019, which also featured Medvedev and Wawrinka. In a statement, Norrie said he would not be commenting on any political issues on his arrival in Saudi Arabia and that he is attending the Tennis Cup to prepare for the Australian Open. 
I'm not a politician and I don't feel it's right for me to get involved with individual government politics, said Norrie. He went on to state, My job is to be a professional tennis player and this event in Saudi allows me to train with some of the best players in the world and to potentially win the Australian Open. Amnesty International UK's Felix Jenkins suggested Norrie and others could use their presence in Saudi Arabia to show solidarity with Salma al-Shahab, the Leeds University student, jailed for 34 years there for using Twitter. And if you are a listener to our show, I covered that uh, case a few months ago. Felix Jenkins is quoted as stating, we were never going to be telling people like Cameron Norrie where they should or shouldn't play tennis, but by appearing in the Deria, Cameron should realise he's effectively being deliberately hired in to take part in the latest jamboree of Saudi sports washing. He went on, went on to state, Cameron has a big platform and genuine influence and he should use this to show solidarity with people like Salma al-Shahab, who are being cruelly persecuted in Saudi Arabia. What Saudi Arabia appears to look for with these competitions is a smiling, high-profile sports star who will studiously avoid talking about human rights. Cameron should speak out. Andy Murray, he's also a UK tennis player, um, revealed at the beginning of the year that he had turned down an offer to compete in the 2019 edition. He's quoted as saying, I know a number of the other guys on the tour were offered to play there. I don't think the player field that went was what they were hoping. A lot of the, I would say, top players and bigger names turned it down and I personally wouldn't go and play there. BSG Sports Group, the organiser's media team, have been approached for comment, but there was nothing further in the article. So there you go. If you're a tennis fan like me, I would suggest boycotting watching that particular exhibition. Bye for now. Hi, Frankie. Uh, it's lovely to have you join us from Wellington. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks, Kerry. Thank you ever so much for having me on the programme. A pleasure. It's really nice to have you here. Um, and I guess the first thing is to find out who you are. I wonder if you could tell our listeners a little bit about you, your background, what you do with Amnesty International. Well, I hail from Scotland originally, um, but I was very lucky to arrive in Aotearoa, New Zealand about three weeks before the border closed in 2020, which was an incredible stroke of luck. And it's been a fantastic opportunity to to get to know this beautiful country. Um, I studied science um, as an undergrad and Mm -hmm. I spent my early career working on science and health programs for the BBC. Um, So in my current role as a media and communications advisor, uh, I suppose I'm the, uh, my role is to be like the kaitiaki of Amnesty International's relationships with the media here in New Zealand Mm -hmm. um, and to find the best opportunities to to tell the the amazing stories of the Amnesty movement. Well, that sounds great. And I didn't realise you just arrived in just before the pandemic and the borders closed. So uh, very glad to have you here in New Zealand with us. Thank you. Of all the places I could have spent the spent those last couple of years, I felt very lucky to be to be spending them here, um, and and to be now part of a global family um, of 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 Amnesty, um, and in that way connecting back to people back in the UK too. Absolutely, I'm also from the UK, and um, I follow the Amnesty UK just as closely as Amnesty NZ. 
absolutely. So, um, one of the reasons we've got you on the show today is because you're involved, uh, you're going to be doing the Alps to Ocean bike ride. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about the ride and what your fundraising for Amnesty, what that kind of support will go towards? Oh, the Alps to Ocean is an incredible cycle adventure across mm-hmm. the heart of the South Island. So it's about 300 kilometres in total, um, but we'll be taking it uh, over the course of six days. So Amnesty International is putting together a team of 20 cyclists. Um, and if it's anything like me, you definitely don't need to be a keen cyclist to get involved Um Anyone who um, is passionate about human rights and enjoys being in the outdoors is definitely a suitable candidate. And we are still recruiting um, to fill that team. So um, the the aim is to raise money for um, the work of Amnesty International, both here domestically in New Zealand and, and overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the campaigns to, to highlight, I suppose, is... is um, our call on the New Zealand government to raise the age of criminal responsibility, which is currently as low as, as 10 years old. Wow. So we, that's four years younger than the international human rights standards. Uh, and the whole amnesty movement here in Aotearoa has, is working really hard to uh, remind the government of their commitment to the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. Mm-hmm. But the Alps Ocean Ride itself is just a fantastic opportunity to connect with like-minded individuals uh, to connect with nature uh, and to enjoy some of the most scenic parts of of the South Island. Wow, that sounds like an amazing experience. Um, And knowing roughly the route, uh, not having cycled it myself, I can imagine it's going to be an incredible experience. Yes, I am. Yeah, supposedly in training. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I tend to use an e-bike to get around and so I'm slowly weaning myself off to use my my normal two wheel two wheel mm-hmm. power, um, but again to have a challenge like that to look forward to and to work on over the summer is um, is really uh, motivating, uh, and and the knowledge that I'll be doing it with an with an amazing team too. Yeah, how many people so far do you have in your group? So we've got six people all signed up. Um, myself and another member of staff will be part of that team, um, but we're really looking forward to to. To meeting all those other individuals um, along the way. So, as I said, plenty of time still to uh, to sign up, mm. and um, we'd love for there to be, um, yeah, for it to be um, another another fourteen or so. Fantastic. Okay, that's great. Um, on that that campaign, is there anything in particular? I mean, you've already kind of outlined the the focus of it, but is there something that really personally stands out to you as important, or is it just? Um, I mean, it's, it's a majorly important campaign, so I imagine, like many of Amnesty's campaigns, it just sort of stands out as being like a priority. Well, I think for me personally, um, the campaign really resonates because I, I spent six months uh, in Dunedin as a child with my family uh, when I was eight. And uh, at the time, I thought Kiwi childhood just seemed idyllic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really shocked to to discover that the current age of criminal responsibility is um, so out of sync with human rights standards. And um, I guess this is an amazing opportunity for me to do my bit to protect the rights of children whose lives are far from idyllic and to make this country a fairer place to live. That sounds like a very very powerful reason and motivation to 
be involved. And um, you're right, it is, it is quite astonishing, really, isn't it, when you think about, you know, a 10-year-old child that that could possibly be an age of criminal responsibility is beyond comprehension. <laughs> mm, mm, I, I mean, you, you may relate to this too. Coming from the UK, mm. we tend to think of New Zealand as this kind of beacon of um, of, of doing things right. You know, yeah. um, I grew up looking to the New Zealand as an example to follow, but actually... Back home in Scotland, they've just raised the age, age of criminal responsibility um, to 12. So still not quite in line with those um, UN standards, but it is a step in the right direction. So if Scotland can do it, New Zealand absolutely should and, and must. Yeah, I 100% agree. So, um, yeah, very good cause indeed. Uh, and one that we'll certainly be talking more about on this show over the coming months. Um, so... Aside from that particular campaign area, which is obviously a priority and a focus right now, um, what other areas are particularly important to you in your work with Amnesty? Are there any sort of personal sort of areas you're particularly passionate about? Yeah, well, I, I guess as someone who spends most of their day writing, um, the Right for Rights campaign uh, is a really exciting project for, for me. Um, and we're about to launch that campaign uh, later in, in November. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those campaigns that um, is, I think, just an amazing opportunity to plug into and connect with the global amnesty movement. I mean, in last year, Almost five million actions were taken around the world, uh, and so what an amazing testimony, really, to the power of of humanity, where individual people taking action can bring about real sub- substantial change. And and again, right for rights um, as a campaign is one which has seen some amazing wins uh, over mm-hmm. the years. Individuals released from prison, um, families reunited, and and communities being able to um, to stand up for for their human rights as a result. Yeah, I, I, that's great. And what I find also about Right for Rights is that's so brilliant is that people can kind of get a real feel for a broad range of issues around the world. It's not just a particular major campaign that's sort of very focused. It can actually give people a real perspective across, you know, country by country, issue by issue. It, it really covers so much. Absolutely, yeah. It's an, it's an amazing opportunity to learn more about mm-hmm. um, human rights issues, as you say, around the world. Uh, and and whether you take action for an issue that you're most passionate about or whether you become more passionate about an issue because you've taken part in right for right rights for rights i think it's um i think overall that that providing that opportunity for people to learn more and to be empowered by that knowledge is 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 also yeah fantastic absolutely yeah it's um it's something we'll be doing here in Christchurch um with our group um as well in, I believe, on the 10th of um, December. So, yeah, that's going to be a fantastic event and one which I'll mention later in the show. So, um, yeah. So I guess um, the question I'm always interested in is um, what people would say to inspire people who are feeling quite overwhelmed by the challenges of human rights activism. I know there's a lot going on in the world right now and um, maybe one of the the areas we talked about just before we... uh, started recording was um the what's happening in iran right now so maybe you could sort of speak to that um as part of your answer but yeah do you see where do you see the biggest opportunity for hope and how does that fit in with anything that's going on more globally right now yeah i think particularly since joining the amnesty international fano for me i'm just always so inspired to see people taking action for 
perfect strangers uh, mm. anywhere around the world. You know, there's one thing to care about our friends and our family and to go out of our way to assist someone um, that we that we know and love. But mm. there's another thing, something quite magical, I think, um, about um, volunteering your time or your money or your effort to help someone that you've never met mm. um, purely because um, you care about humanity um and and um and human rights so i think um with regards to the situation in iran we've seen just an incredible outpouring of support and solidarity all over the world mm. but um that's been largely led by the iranian community here in in um in new zealand um because many of whom have loved ones back home um for whom they're deeply concerned and it's been a real privilege um to be invited to to support their efforts to raise awareness of the issues um and to call on government to to do all that it can um to improve the situation for people in Iran mm. uh, and I think again seeing the power of um, the amnesty movement and in, in mobilizing people to take action and um, reminding people of of the power of standing together whether it's for people that we know and love or people that um, that we don't but that we that but who to whom we can bring great comfort and peace yeah absolutely it's um it's an incredible uh, unfolding story and it's definitely one we'll be following i know there's um you know the the it's really hard to know how it's going to unfold but it's certainly one that i think is going to be resonating around the world for quite some time mm-hmm. absolutely and again that's an amazing testimony um to the power of the media um mm. which is why i love my role is um actually being being able to um support that the storytelling um and to um to and to use that as an opportunity to again inform and educate people um as to what's really going on um and then to i guess step back and watch how people respond and and uh, particularly being part of the amnesty movement those responses are just hugely inspiring yeah absolutely well, that's great well thank you so much for sharing about um the Abstration bike ride and your campaigning there and also for, for talking around some of these other issues. Are you, um, you're up in Auckland, so you've um, been in the role a few months. Is, is there any other sort of plans that are coming up that you're looking forward to enjoying over the summer or...? Yeah, well, we'll be spending a bit more time travelling around the North Island this summer. My parents are coming to visit, um, which is a wonderful opportunity to spend time together. Um, it is the longest time I've spent just me and my parents, so there's a small amount of trepidation about that, but I think it's <laughs> going to be um, just a wonderful, restful time uh, and a great opportunity, again, to explore a few more corners of this beautiful country. That sounds great. Um, well, I hope you have a wonderful time with your family and um, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Frankie. Likewise, Kerry. Thank you. Thank you. Kia ora, everyone. It's Greg here from the Activate team. As usual, every month we like to highlight some good news stories and I just wanted to share with you a couple of stories that have come in in recent news through the Urgent Action Network. Uh, the first was from the Amnesty UK website, uh, released on the 19th of October of this year. And this was a human rights defender was released. The Belarusian human rights defender uh, Nasta Loika was released on the 6th of October after spending 30 days in arbitrary detention on some charges of petty hooliganism. 
Um, the authorities in Belarus have also closed a separate criminal investigation she was facing, and they've lifted the travel ban that had been posed upon her. Uh, human rights defender, she was Nastaloki, she was released after spending the 30 days in detention. She'd been arbitrarily detained on the 6th of September as she was leaving the Minsk city court after attending the hearing where fellow human rights defenders Martha Rabkova, Andrei Chapkyuk and their eight co-defendants were handed lengthy prison sentences on fabricated charges. On the 7th of September, Nasta Loika was sentenced to 15 days in detention, purportedly for this charge of petty hooliganism, which is a violation under Article 19.1 of the Code of Administrative Defences. Uh, Amnesty maintains that Nastaloika has committed no crime and she has been targeted in retaliation for her human rights work. On 22nd September, the Frizinski District Court of Minsk sentenced her again to 15 days in detention on the same charges. During that detention uh, for 30 days, Nastaloika was denied access to her lawyer and refused necessary medical treatment and basic necessities, including warm clothes and drinking water. Uh, Nastaloika is a prom- prominent human rights defender and educator. educator. She focuses on human rights violations resulting from the repressive anti-extremist legislation in Belarus, the protection of foreign citizens and stateless persons in Belarus, and also she focuses on human rights education. This is not the first time that Nastaloika has faced persecution for her human rights activism. Since August 2021, she had been a suspect in a criminal case related to the activities of the Human Rights Centre, Vyazna. The Belarus authorities have now dropped this investigation and lifted the travel ban imposed on her, but she remains a witness in that case. So while Amnesty welcomes this news, um, Amnesty maintains that Nastaloka should never have been detained. As As with many other human rights defenders in Belarus, she remains at risk of further prosecution due to human rights work. And the second of the cases that I just wanted to briefly highlight for you actually came out of Canada. This news came through on the 1st of November. This is about the case of Mamadou Konate, who from the Ivory Coast, he's a migrant worker. He's lived in Canada for over six years. He was at imminent risk of deportation on the 5th of October. During the COVID-19 pandemic, he worked in facilities accompanying vulnerable senior citizens and he contracted COVID-19 in the workplace. Following a decision by the Federal Court on 30th of September, Mamadou Konate will be able to remain in Canada until a decision is rendered on the merits of the Border Service Agency's decision to deport him to Ivory Coast. But according to his lawyer, this decision could take several months. So for Mamadou, the request for safety is not over, but he will get some respite. So both of these um, cases that I've highlighted for Mamadou Konate and Nastaloika um, come through the Urgent Action Network. If you're interested in being involved in the Urgent Action Network, where you can uh, be involved in cases from all around the world, please contact Amnesty through the Amnesty website, amnesty.org.nz, and you can join that network and receive regular urgent action updates, which you can take immediate action on and also be updated on the outcomes. So celebrating some good news and some wins there for Amnesty International.
Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Frankie. Um, she's definitely got uh, a lot to, to share and uh, in her role, she's seeing a lot of amazing campaigns. And I hope the show was also informative about what's going on in Iran and some other human rights and good news stories that are circulating around the world in these days. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Plains FM for hosting us and to Charlie, our producer. And also, don't forget Write for Rights coming up in December. That will be um, a letter writing campaign. There'll be a lot of promotion about that through the um, Amnesty International website, through Twitter, through all of the kind of social media accounts. And if you want to join us for an event in December, get in touch with us at amnestychristchurch at gmail.com to find out more or check out our Facebook page, Amnesty International in Christchurch, and you should be able to find all the information on one of those places. Thank you again and enjoy the rest of November and we'll be back in December. Mm-hmm.